Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Echelon Cycling Podcast, where three cycling nerds discuss what's been happening in the week and look ahead to the future events of cycling as well, as the nature of the sport is. And as always, I'm joined by Mr. Corona himself, Ewan Wilson, and the man that thinks that there's not been a good cycling season since 2017, Mr. Patrick Blake. And I mean, guys, uh, so we begin by, by asking Patrick to elaborate on that point. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say 2017. Do you remember 2018, 19? I think that 2017 was the last season when like the old guard of cycling were really at the top of their game. Like this, These were times when Van Avermaet and Sagan were dominating the classics rather than Van Poel and Van Aert. And I just quite liked that era. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you... Mm-hmm. Golden Greg over Van de and Van Art. I preferred when Sagan was dominant, just in like that 2017 era. Okay. 18 but, era. But, but Tour de France. There have been some pretty good tours to France in the past couple of years. There have been. I, I I admit, but I'm just on board of Jonas and Tadit now, and I just I just wanted to go back to uh, to 2017 again. I am not Sorry. bored. I am not bored of being goal winning. I am already. Look at Danish. What was Danish cycling in 2017? Exactly. So there's a clear correlation between Danish success and how fun cycling is. That's that's what I'm learning here. Anyway, listen, if people want to go and look at my video, they can go look at my video, all right? It wasn't meant to be controversial. I've already done controversial videos for the sake of it. This was supposed to be more wholesome and me explaining a good, valid point as to why 2017 was really good. It's the only year where Demoulin won a Grand Tour. You can't say that's bad. Yeah, that was based as hell. Sargon on his third, like, run of his world champs. That was really cool. When Gaviri was actually good. When Kittle was still good before he got sent to the depths of health Katusha. Like, come on, it was pretty good. And Trenton was good in the world as well. I was like quick step peak sprinting. I feel like I've hijacked this this whole episode with my video. And 2017 marks the first Grand Tour stage win for Alexei Lutsenko. Yes, he did. Yeah, he got it in the in the world, didn't he? There's always there a go. title Lutsenko everywhere we look. There's always a way to bring it back to him. Oh gosh. Are we going to talk about things that have happened this week? I guess so. <laughs> We're not going to start a cyclocross. We could do much Paul coming back. Pickcock winning a World Cup as well. We will start with the news that has broken on the day of recording. We did a video up on the Cycling Day and Extra channel, so check that out as well. Tadej Bogacar confirmed for the Giro d'Italia. And uh, what do you guys think of this? Uh, I've, I've got mixed opinions, I think. I think it's really cool on the one hand, but I did also see somebody on Twitter, as we all know, very, very lovely, reliable place that Twitter is nowadays. But they said something like, oh, it's kind of like Jonas is now like almost guaranteed to win the Tour. Tade's like almost guaranteed to win the Giro. It's like two Grand Tours already locked up. So that's a little bit boring. And I can see that point of view. I was quite looking forward to a more open field of the Giro with sort of, I don't want to call them B tier, but like not the super mega hitters that we're used to of, and and just like a bit more of a level playing field fight for the Giro win. And now that's sort of been taken away. So I can understand both sides of the arguments for why people do and do not enjoy it. But you got to admit that it's, uh, it's interesting news and I'm a less. I do agree. It does feel like we now might have like two Grand Tour walkovers next year with uh, with Jonas at the Tour, uh, Tade 
at, at the G. You know, I'm hoping that Rocklish can salvage something for our own entertainment city at the Tour de France, but it's definitely exciting news. It's good to have a sort of A-list at back of the Giro, and we haven't seen someone go for the Giro Tour double in, in years. Wait, Roglic not A-list winning it last year. I know, but it's like like a real, like, like, like a Tour de France champion, you know? Ouch. That's true. Roglic is not one of those. It's sad times. But Roglic could... Garen Thomas, Garen Thomas won. He, he's a tour champion. He was there last oh, year. Got that twenty eighteen tour don't count. It don't. <laughs> it, it, it's it's fully. It's like a. It's like a. I can I can spoon race. I'm just really intrigued to see how the season's going to go now for for Pogaccia. Is it like this? We're now doing two Grand Tours in one year. Is he going to go for go for the Cobble Classics? How much can he do? Then you've got the World Championships that he could legitimately win at the end of the year. We could have like a sort of Merxian year for Pogacar, or it could completely backfire and he misses the mark of both the Giro and the Tour and we look like clowns in 12 months' time. Currently, his calendar, if you look at it on Pro Cycling Stats, you've got a random one-day race in Portugal. You've got the World to Algarve, huge Italian Tour de France. There's no Olympics, no Flesh Below, no liege Bastogne, no Milan-San Remo, no Triano-Adriatico. But, I mean, you and I think you touched on it last week, Triano-Adriatico and maybe Estrada and Milan-San Remo was kind of rumors of his program. Yeah, so those are the rumors right now is that he's doing that big Italian sort of preparation into the Giro. This probably means that he will sacrifice a lot of the Ardennes classic, so... I wouldn't, ex- well, I wouldn't hold out too much hope that he's going to be at Liege, Barcelona, Liege, and Flash One and so forth. We haven't really seen many riders go from those races into the Giro in the past. You'll probably have to cut that, but then also do Ronda. But while well, Vanos do the same thing, going to do the Cobble Classics, then jump into the Giro. The only thing that they have different really is that Pogac is also going to the Tour de France later on in the year. It's been like sort of years waiting for Poggy to go to the to go to the Giro, though. If he gets the Giro in the bag, you feel like oh, that Buelta is just. That's the next thing to, to take off the list that might happen next year. It's definitely an exciting day for the the Giro because we have been sort of starving. We've been in the trenches hoping that, that someone would announce their Giro participation, at least like a, a big star. Sorry to all the other riders who said that they want to go because Tour de France is attracting everyone. Theo Gegenhardt this week said he's going to go to, to the Tour de France. Rocklich is going. Avenable's going. Feels like the Tour de France is getting all the stars, but we were missing something from the Giro. And it felt like the Giro was maybe going to be an afterthought. It still could be an afterthought. But um, with Pogacar there, that does add that sort of that big name value. There's this thing, I can't remember what it's called, in like, um, oh, in like Broadway. I don't really know musical theater, but it's. What? Like, <laughs> Wait, musical going. theater. But, but it's. Is it like. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like when you put like a famous person into a musical purely to bring people into it, it's like they've drafted in like a Hollywood actor to go into like a Broadway musical that was probably destined to be mid. And now it's going to have so much attention because this big Hollywood stars is making their Broadway debut. So anyway, it's it's out of your traveling list for the next 10 years i think they're probably going to go after you for that for calling it a mid tv show no no i love the giro it's just the feather that you're in next year with with a map parkour and a list of favorites that's thin on the ground i mean anyone could be a favorite now yeah jade hindley maybe i'd suppose for yombro but this also does throw up like a white 
opens the door wide to what could possibly happen for UAE's Tour de France. If is Poggy fully focusing on the Giro, we still would imagine he's still fully focusing on the Tour de France, but then that also offers up the possibility of maybe another one of their big stars getting an opportunity later into the year. But also, for all the Almeida fans out there, probably means Almeida's not going to win the Giro next year. Well, Almeida won't go win the Giro anyway. But... <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, wow, shut fired here from both of you. It won't get out. I just think it's interesting thinking about what UAE are going to do at the top because with a Yuzo now not, you know, just being like the Vuelta merchant but for UAE now, you know, I presume he's going to get given leadership or at least some co-leadership with Poggy at the top. So I think it's interesting to think about where a user might finish at the tour. I mean, based upon this, the Vuelta just gone. Unless he takes a little bit of a step forwards, like a podium's going to be quite difficult with the other kind of guys like Roglic there with Jonas there with Remco if he can hold things together for more than like a few days at a time with Kuss as well who's now just like a proper red herring in the mix as well like it's not like a guarantee and I think that Pogaccio going to the Giro is just a bit like waving a, a white flag because he's basically just saying like I'm going to the Giro and we all know that Giro Tour double is really difficult to do i can't even remember the last time that it was done is how difficult it is like even what was it through 2018 when he won the giro with that massive raid he lost to gary thomas that year so i know pagaccio i'd just say is like on you know really sensational talent and all that but i just i'm not sure about pagaccio's chances at the tour it feels a bit like if you if you do the Giro, why not just do Giro Vuelta? I feel like the tour's already like gone to Jonas at this point, or is that just far too cynical? No, I, I'm also in a place of cynicism. I feel like after last year's Tour de France, well, Tour de France 2023, I felt like it was going to take a lot to topple Jonas in the years to come, and this almost feels like it might be another reason for Jonas to to get another Tour de France win because we saw Pogacar was injured last year, didn't have the preparation he wanted, and then this year it's like, well, in 2024. We're in, this, we're in this awkward period where it feels like it's this year, but it's not technically yet, anyways. But for 2024, Pogac's, like run-up is going to be different to normal. I appreciate the fact he's spicing it up a little bit, but it definitely feels like Jonas is um, probably gearing up for another Tour de France win. But you never know. You never know in these kind of scenarios. Someone could crash, something bad could happen, or Jonas has to pull out, you know? Or Sepkus becomes the leader of his Melissa bike, and they have to all respect that and work towards Sepkus getting a second Grand Tour victory. But it's it's definitely feeling like it's it's definitely more sewn up now than any of the past well two tours de france have been i still i still believe scott i know you're a doubter but i think i still think rockledge is a key contender for next year's tour de france with that incredibly strong board hands grow squad that includes that includes amo bushman jai hindley bob jungles um um i'm not uh... delivering in 2019 Sasha Vlasov. It includes plenty of like oh, Leonard Kemner potentially. It includes a hell of a lot of good climbing talent. I think we're almost overlooking. They won a Giro d'Italia last year. Sorry, Danny Martinez. This it's actually it's he's a good. good team. I'm I telling you, Laura Hansgrove could really challenge for next year's Tour de France and Roglic could get the win. I know what I released a video on the cycling day a week ago saying that Roglic would never win. But uh, I'm going back in my words here at, at, at standing by Roggers. Because it's almost Christmas time, or it pretty much is. It's a bit like having a roast dinner with a naff turkey. Huh? It's like 
It's a bit like having everything around, everything in the Christmas dinner is perfect. Oh my goodness. A.K.A. Bora. But if your turkey's a bit dry, A.K.A. Roglic, people don't really remember the rest of it. I do disagree. I think I think we have a perfect piece of poultry in Primo Roglic. This he's getting on, but if he's solely targeting the next sort of France and doesn't crash, things things could happen. I'm feeling I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling a special way. He doesn't crash, then yeah. But I just I, I really I, I really don't like the odds of Roglic not crashing. It just seems to happen. What Patrick said as well. No, you no, not that. <laughs> no, you compared uh, at some point. You compared him just narrowly beating Garin Thomas, and then Garin Thomas's deficit between Pogaccia and Vingegaard at the 2022 Tour de France. That line of, of, of investigation was highly critiqued by the comment section, and I agree with the comment <laughs> section. I believe. It was. I'm siding with the people. I believe in democracy. Bear in mind, Roglic did crash. I've I've lost a bit of meat, ah, huh? and I still think we could see something special from Primoz next year. I mean, he'll play with him for sure. For sure. sure. What's the last tour he actually finished? What? He podium that one. Yeah, yeah, he podium that one. He's got a really good conversion rate of finishing the tour and being on the podium. So. One thing will lead to another. That's it's, it's pretty simple. I just I mean, t- 2018, he was not on the podium. False. Yeah, I'm just not sure about it because Vingegaard beat Roglic at the Vuelta this year, even though Roglic had the Giro Vuelta double, so he gets better prep. Whereas Jonas was coming off of the tour, so he's relatively more needs. You know, I think I think the Vuelta 23 was a bit of a strange dynamic in that team. I think it's I think it's hard to say. Is it like for 2018 tour? Well, it's a bit <laughs> team dynamic. You don't really know. Did Garrett Thomas actually win? But then, but then also in, in the 2018 tour, Roglic was was fighting for leadership with Stefan Kreisweg, who was also up there in top five. Yeah, Roglic just come a long way, hasn't he? Well, look where he's come. And the leads up. <laughs> well, ironically, he was going down when he was ski jumping, but. Anybody, there's the 2021 Tour de France on stage three and the 2022 Tour de France on stage five. Anyway, the whole point of this segment is Tadu Gacha, and we're diverting it over and talking about Primus Roglic. Is there anyone in any conceivable way that can topple Tadu Gacha? Didn't you say that Simon Yates is one of the best climbers in the world? <laughs> no, I said on his day. I said on his day. They come very rarely, but on his day. They say it's his day. <laughs> Say he has yeah, but that's one day. He's, he never has 21 days. Even in the 2018 Walter, he didn't have 21 days. But he might do. We were in an unprecedented age of cycling. Simon Yates could have 21 of his days in a row. And maybe, just maybe, he could topple Pagaccio. What odds would you give on it? Leicester City comes to mind when you think about those odds. And that was thousands to one. 5,000. But, okay... Oh, I should have mentioned this in the video with the cycling and extra, but like Oggy's big downfall is like the longer days for lots of climbing, they've been ridden incredibly hard at very attritional stages. The Giro isn't ridden in the same way. We don't see Giro stages popping off 100 kilometers to go where we have a team really rattling things. The Giro, I, th- I think, is more concentrated in the final 10, 20 kilometers than the Tour de France has become over the past two years, which is our point of comparison for, for Pogaccia and his, his sort of downsides. On a stage trail of Vignol, which, if that was raced in the Tour de France, could really, really destroy Pogaccio. I think in 
what a day like that if it were in the Tour de France rather the terms of the profile then that could really hurt Pogacar but in the Giro I just don't think these longer days are going to be ridden like that even in the past couple of years at, at the Giro we haven't really seen these long attritional stages be lit up from 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 far out Egan Bernal did it um in the 2021 but that was on a shortened stage um we saw Damiana Caruso try to pull off a big coup but he only gained about one minute in the end in the 2021 Giro Italia as well I, apart from the COVID one but the COVID one was filled with asterisks I think it's not going to be super similar to, to the Tour de France in terms of the general dynamic I think if Pogaccia gains two minutes in that opening week it's a done deal all we've learned from this is actually the biggest threat to Pogaccia's victory is Damiano Caruso somehow in some way Caruso is the biggest threat I don't see any reason why Pogaccia is going to lose the the Giro, Gravel as well, whatever that stage is. The TTs, I, just don't, I don't see how anybody else wins. Yeah. The other sort of the time trialists who could, well, the general classification riders who can time trial in a similar level of role at the Tour de France. And the, looking at Jonas, looking at Remco, looking at Roglic, none of those guys are coming to the Giro. So I think, yeah, in terms of the time trials, he's got it pretty sewn up. I mean, Yates is, is he's been improving in time trials, but I still think he'll lose a minute to to Pogacar and like that long time trial to Lake Garda. I think he could lose a minute there. Even the one into Perugia in the first week, Pogacar could gain a minute, could win that stage. I know Pippo is there, but I think Pogacar with that uphill into Perugia could definitely take that. Go into pink early on. Do you want to lead it from beginning to end? Well, it's up to them. They probably might let a breakaway guy take the pink jersey for a while. That happens quite a lot of the Giro. It's really going to be quite simple. Controlling the Giro is a lot easier than controlling the Tour de France, which has been sort of UAE's downfall in the past couple of years. They haven't been as strong as Visma in controlling the race, but the Giro is so, so different. It's going to be a hell of a lot easier. Anyways, with Tadragaccia and the Giro d'Italia, we didn't even talk about if he's going to do the Tour. Giro Tour double if he's actually going to do it, but I think the consensus is fairly yeah, agreed here. We might as well go to kits. We looked at kits quite heavily last week, and uh, yeah, which ones have re- been released this week? We've had a couple released this week. Uh, let's begin with Primoz Roglic's team. Bora Hansgrohe, who dropped their new kits, they've moved, they were with Lecole, and now they have switched to Sportful, which is the provider they were with beforehand when they moved up, up to the World Tour level in 2017, and they've slightly changed their color scheme. Um, gone is the Aquamarine, instead we now have a sort of military green and fluorescent yellow double act. It's giving um, Tinkoff Saxo 2015 Tour de France, if you remember that kit. Even Alme de Terre, which is the French National Army team that was around back in the 2010s. Julien Alaphilippe used to ride for them. I'll be honest, I think this is a huge downgrade. I am not a fan of this of this new kit to the squad. I really like the Aquamarine in red. I thought that was quite a cool visual identity for them. One of the big reasons I was happy for Rockledge moving there was that he was going to be wearing a really nice kit next season, but it's been it's been redesigned quite severely here. And also, one thing I am intrigued by is that because Hansgrohe's colors is, well, Hansgrohe's color is that Aquamarine, I'm surprised they haven't really fo- made that the focal point of, of the kit's like color palette. So it does look a bit strange how you got this like military green, the high-vis, and then just that little aquamarine logo with the Bora, or the Bora Hansgrohe in, in the chest. It's a bit strange. And also the shorts of military green as well uh, looks a bit tacky. I think uh, darker shorts would have been good. I prefer it to some of the other kits which have been released. Like I said last week, I like the blocky colors. I think this is going to be easier to identify from the from an aerial shot. So I like it from that aspect. The iconic Grenadiers look like a bit like a Sith bottle. I remember seeing that image somewhere. And um, if you don't know what a Sith bottle looks like, just go go look it up. It's just like a cleaning appliance. Um, 
Yeah, I'd, it, it's all right. I would have quite liked it. Imagine, imagine the fluorescent yellow in your mind's eye, but imagine it being like the red, like the more red from last year. And imagine, I think that would have looked better, personally. Somebody who's got a Photoshop go do that. I think it is a little bit of a downgrade from last year, but I think that in comparison to some of the other kits that have been released, it's it's not that bad. It's the year of the mid kits. This is a six out of ten. I was good. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like a it is like a six. It's it's probably about on the same yeah. level as any else. Maybe just a smidge better. Oh, you think it's better than the Ineos kit? I actually like the yeah, Ineos we kit. We haven't started talking about Ineos. We got to get on to that one. We did last week. We kind of mentioned Ineos, the reveal one oh. from Egan Bernal. Yeah, but it, I guess but we... it is slightly different. Okay, fair. Do you want to talk about Ineos then? Well, now now we mentioned it. I feel like we should. So Ineos released their kit, a new collaboration with Gobic. In the press release, it's all about being unconventional and breaking, uh, like breaking the rules and breaking conventions. Because Ineos Grenadiers are a team that like to like to do that, apparently. So their new kit, it's uh, orange is still the main theme of it, and it has a st- sort of striped gradient into navy blue on one side. It's still asymmetrical, and I think the asymmetry is actually handled a lot better. The stripe that they've had on the back of the shirt as a motif since 2010 when the team was released has been switched from navy blue to orange. Interesting choice there, but uh, as a whole, it's okay. I think it's a hell of a lot neater than the one they had last year. I think it's a slight improvement, to be honest. I'm going to say 6.5 out of 10. Yeah, I prefer it over the whatever the GM metric freaking triangles that they had last year do you remember that i didn't i wasn't really a fan of that and the only thing about the geometric triangles is that like they tried to go for asymmetry but it just looked a bit strange because it was ever so slightly asymmetrical like to the point where it looked uncomfortable i don't know not not like i mean it looked uncomfortable for me did about other people if it bothered them but this one I, I feel like is done in a lot in a much more tasteful way. I've been really enjoying Gobic's um, designs over the past couple of years. I think they've been standing out as a pretty top tier clothing provider, given that they've kind of emerged onto the scene since COVID. I think it's a decent hit. I'll give it a six. Yeah, same. God. Yeah, Astana. Yeah, the home of Alati Latenko. Um Astana but, has extended that. But it wasn't Latenko they used. It was Mark Cavendish, unfortunately. Well, Latenko was in the pictures. Ah, okay. um, but but uh, Mark Cavendish, of course, he's making his big Twitter friends return. And Astana Kazakhstan, that's Kazakhstan with Q, have released their kit. It's a bit of a mashup between their normal design and their Tour de France and Vuelta Hispanic kits that they uh, wore last year. So you've got this kind of like... Mm, blue and yellow marble effect through sort of the first third from the top of the abs down to the waistline and the rest of the jersey is a pretty staple uh light blue color the typical astana light blue color that we have been used to over the past couple of years it's a very tasteful i quite like it a good happy medium between their Tour de france kit and their normal jersey i give this a six maybe 0.5 6.25 but it is like the thing is it's tasteful but it's also quite mid i can't have everything i'm, I'm, I'm hard to please it's such a good way of describing it I, I like the way toned down the kind of tall special bit and just kind of you know left it a little bit like it's still there but it's just not like all over the place yeah it's not like that marble effect just like everywhere it's just like a little bit more controlled and i like that it's on the same level as or is it else Nobody is breaking into this upper echelon. Nobody's exceeded the seventh for me, so I'm just going to give it a 6.5 as well. Or, oh, I don't like or, it. Yeah, I don't like that wrong with bit. You? The bottom bit, it looks tacky. Cool. To be fair, I would, I, I'm not going to say it looks tacky because I think it looks quite cool, but it is kind yeah. of useless. 
Because when the riders, we have to think about this, when the riders are crouched down on the bike, you're not going to be able to see that part of the jersey. And they don't win very often. So we're not really going to see like that effect really on show. It's only, it, it, it looks good on a coat hanger, but put it in a peloton, we're not really going to see the special effect. It's the same problem that UAE have a little bit with their little, like their new stripes. That like it looks good on yeah, whilst you're like sitting down on the podium, whatever. But actually, in a bunch, it's not quite that that distinctive. Should we continue the mid theme of kits? I mean, do you think they're actually gonna we're gonna see that part at the Tour de France of the kit? Well, they might they might even release think, a new one. Yeah, it's true actually. Well, half half these teams release special Tour de France kits nowadays. Same. Sudal quick step. Okay. I think this is an upgrade from last year's, personally. Hmm. I don't mean I don't think that it's it's not like world beating. I mean, people who are on cycling Twitter and stuff will probably know the person who like designed it. Well, not personally, but you know, people will be familiar with this person's work and they do create some really cool concepts. I do think that maybe they're restricted by the team's color scheme and, and whatnot and the i think it the, the kit would look better but it's got that massive ungainly like napoleon whatever like casino brand on it and that just really irks me but it's just like this there's like a like a red star on it and it just doesn't really work but i, I prefer it over the last years i can't even remember what it was like but it, it kind of blends the the white into the blue a bit better for me yeah it's still just like a mid it's still like it's still like a six six point five for me. I don't think it's breaching seven. But they did have they do win the prize for the coolest announcement video so far. I think that's for sure. I was gonna say that as well. Yeah, Julien Philippe coming out and uh, pretty funny. Yeah, lip syncing to Beyonce. I'm hoping he's on. He's gonna be on Drag Race France next year. Yeah, this this kit. I I I just I simply don't care for it. It's like. The guy who, who created it, as you say, I think he's always restricted because whenever he works with these World Tour teams, he releases the most sort of average kits, even though like the ones he makes on on what they make on like Instagram and, and Twitter and stuff look really cool. Then it, it just drops. One thing that bothers me is the different shade of blue between the, the shorts and the top half of the jersey. Like it's ever so slightly different. That really irks me. And I mean, the effect on, the, on like the sleeves where the Janon logo is, I don't know what Janon do, but that's cool. But the rest of the jersey is just criminally mid. Four out of 10. Ouch. I would give this like five, six. That's not even, that's not even that much more. You you sounded offended, but only gave <laughs> I think it's just consolidates how mid these jerseys have been. Also, uh, wait for Israel. Israel is going to absolutely dominate. Also, EF. The high expectations. There was a bit of a leak at the Visma Lisa Bike Team Camp. That's a bit of a mouthful of what their color scheme is going to be next year. We got a glimpse of their new bottles and their new socks. The jersey was covered up, but the socks and bottles were not. And the bikes were on show. I think we still have yellow as the predominant color of that jersey, which is surprising because the yellow came from Yumbo and Visma's lead color is red. So it looks like we're going to be keeping the yellow of Visma Lisa Bike next year. They know that's part of the big team identity maybe but anyway moving on and um yeah we are a lot more active on twitter the three of us and uh, this week uh ewan indirectly almost got primus roglic in a bit of trouble because i tweeted a picture you sent to me about roglic well not having the bike that he's contractually 
paid for being the Yama Visma bike, the Savello. He was pictured with a very beautiful specialized as he was on the Bora team camp. And the rules used to be that you couldn't actually use the new equipment, the new jersey, etc., before your contract ends, which obviously is 1st of January. And obviously a few years ago, Sergio Aguita was fired by EF Education for being pictured with a specialized joining Bora as well after he was at a Sportive. I think it was the Rigoberto Ryan Sportive. And yeah, that was a whole um, saga as well. But yeah, Yuen, uh, why are you trying to get uh, Primus Roglic in trouble? I wasn't trying to get him in trouble. I just saw a picture of him at the training camp, but I was like, oh, I might as well just send that across. Also, this came in the same week that he and Ed Brooks were spotted at the Visma training camp wearing all black. Um, so I thought this was like an interesting sort of dichotomy between Ed Brooks sneakily being on the Visma camp wearing all black. And then Roglic just be wearing his Yumbo kit at the Bora one, but with the Bora equipment. However, I, there was like, people on Twitter were quick to sort of say like, oh, it's not that bad because it, this is a training camp, but not like a public, um, not public. There are public roads. It's like, what? <laughs> but it wasn't like an actual event or a race, which was what was the problem with Iita a couple of years back. But, I mean, at the Visma camp, we've seen, like, Matteo Jorgensen, he's been wearing his Movistar kit there, but riding the bikes, like, the Cervelo bikes. I guess it's also a really important time for the riders to get used to their new, new equipment before the beginning of the new season, so maybe that is is the other difference here. I remember, I, I think, Agita, wasn't he wearing Bora shorts or something as well in, in, in the that video that came out a couple of years back? But, I mean, Outer Brooks is wearing Visma shorts at his training camp, and... Um, He's still contracted to Bora Hansgrohe, you believe. 135,000 people that tweet has reached. So Matt Rendell even chimed in as well. Oh, Big fan. Wow. We are, I mean, yeah. Gosh, we need the Todd in London, don't we? We really need that to come around. This, this is what Cycling Twitter has descended to. It is curious, though, why Higita was in one way and Roglic is in another. But you know what? If people want to have at it, go to, go to Scott's tweet pile on just let's get it more i mean i agree i'm just saying if roglic doesn't get fired sergio Gita shouldn't be fired all i'm saying is justice for sergio uh sacrifice time yeah, yeah match one for returning to well belgium in the x2o head towels race though he wanted last year no one went out despite it being in his hometown uh quite a boring race to be honest because match one for just disappeared after the first lap Bit of a fight for the podium. Tom Pickock, quite a good comeback coming from 12th place and finishing second, but then going on to win the World Cup on the Sunday. So, yeah, Patrick, what did you make of all this cyclocross? Um, it's good to see the big names back. Although, as I've said, it must be kind of annoying if you're just like an Elisabeth, Lars van der Haar, etc. And you're just like, oh, I'm doing so well. And I made just turn up first race but not even like, you know, dialed into the whole riding ruts and, you know, bunny hopping the barriers and they're just going to win anyway. That would be, that would irk me just a little bit if I was in their shoes or in their cleats, whatever you want to say. Yeah, Isabel and Van der Haar, the good fights. It was, Van der Haar's just a better sprinter, so maybe that was that. And then, yeah, Pidcock was, well, yeah, the winner in the, in the World Cup. That's his first World Cup victory of, of the year. First one he's entered so that's a good conversion rate one interesting is, is this also the week where i saw an article which said from it was interviewing with tebow nace and he said that you know he will 
I can't remember if it was Will, but he was talking about how he, he will join the big three at some point. I'm not sure. I, I didn't read the, the article, so I don't actually know what timeline he was specifying, but do you think T-Renace will, will join the big three, say, in the next two years? Or is or is that unrealistic? I mean, maybe. I mean, we were talking about Machu Bano for a while, but aren't uh, wanting to reduce their calendar even more so. So it, they need that extra. Well, it'd be a bit of shame for Ilya Izubir and all them that suddenly just Tibonese just waltzes past them. Yeah, literally. But then rounding out the podium today of in, in Namur and the World Cup was Pim Ronha and Joris Nyonhaus, both for Balwa's Trek Lions. So they are continuing to have good seasons. They beat uh, Elisabeth, Michael Van Tornat, and Lars Van der Haal. So definitely not like... I, I kind of thought with Ronha and Nyonhaus, I was like, ah, oh, is this just got like a flash in the pan? Sort of, you know, one good result here or there. So it, it happens in cyclocross every year. But this is definitely some consistency when you consider that Elisabeth Van der Haar and, and Van Tornout, I'd consider it to be the the echelon below the big three. And I think there's definitely a bit of a there's a mix up going in, in that section of the cyclocross scene, which is quite good to see. It kind of doesn't just mean that it's like where the big three are there, it just increases the number of people who are like competitive to win it. And I I'm all for that. In the women's race, Alvarado won ahead of Piazza and Lucinda Brandt. So full Dutch podium there, which I mean, in this women's day and age, it's not necessarily the biggest shock in the world to have three Dutch women at the top. But um, yeah, I don't know. But I, I, it was good. Pietza down the whole pint in one go. That was pretty good. She she's kind of like the, the interesting character I think in in women's cyclocross, and uh, we like we like big characters, don't we? You should get an extra like. Um prize for downing the pine the quickest on the podium yeah i think that's an absolute that, that should definitely be a thing who who would also down drink responsibly as well guys out of the big six in, in men's road cycling who would win a pint downing competition teddy roglidge no, no roglidge you reckon roglidge oh, i don't know well van mm. who would not win? wow wow no um it wouldn't be I, I, I don't think Jonas would. I, I think Jonas like would have like two sips of a Tuborg and call it a night. You know, uh, I think Rabkin would win even. But he did grow up in Belgium. He's used to those pinches. That's true. I don't know. I feel like this is the true fight that needs to go on next year. Not. I don't care about the tour anymore. I think we need to somehow get all six of them lined up and drinking a pint, and we want a true race to see who would finish it first. That's the kind of content cycling needs. Exactly. This is this this is my Tour de France. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Rider of the week. Oh. Oh. My rider of the week is good news. There has been road cycling. Oh no! <laughs> this is this. Oh. Donovan Ramirez won stage two of the Vuelta Ciclista Internacional at Costa Rica, and he now leads GC. So tune in next week, ladies and gentlemen, to hear what the outcome of this race will be. I know you're all sitting on the edges of your seats. We also have the Arab Road Cycling Championships as well to choose from. Hmm, we do. Um... Big fan. That's being held in Saudi Arabia at the moment. Keen out the Brooks again. 
How? How? He, he hasn't ridden on a bike. He wasn't in a cyclocross race. You can't pick him. Last week, he has was... ridden on the bike. He was wearing all black in a training camp. And <laughs> the, the plot thickened, you know, this week about the Boa Hansgrohe, the writers of the Balta having a WhatsApp group chat about him where they were bullying him behind his back. And then there was all this, like, the plot thickened and Bora Hansgrohe were, like, saying, nah, this wasn't true. And we still don't really know what's happening. And apparently, Brooks refused a 1 million euro offer from Ineos Grenadiers to take a, a much smaller paycheck at, at Jumbo, at Visma Lisa Bike for next year. I'm still mightily intrigued by this and I'm fascinated to see where it goes. And to be honest, it's thin on the ground for choosing people. And and I don't think I care enough about cyclocross to choose one of those riders. Sorry, Pim, Ron Ha, Matthew Van Der Poel and Tom Pidcock. You, you're, not, you're not making the cut. We need, we need spicy. We need a WhatsApp bullying group chat. Of course, I don't, I don't approve of this behavior, but it, it made for a, made for a fascinating story. It felt like sort of high school drama. Yeah, out the books, or even just sort of, or a hands in general. Right. Okay. Match of Vanderpool because no, actually Tom Pickock because he came back from far back and won a World Cup. So Tom Pickock, you're my writer of the week. That's how you play the game, guys. That's the super mid though. That's so boring. <laughs> That's so predictable. Surprised you didn't pick Philippe for his amazing Beyonce. Again, Dorinda. Yeah. Actually, it was Celine Dion, not Beyonce. I think that was a Freudian slip earlier on. Celine Dion, Eurovision Song Contest winner in 1989 for Switzerland. Let's not forget. Here we go. What a way to finish a cycling podcast. Anyways, that is it for number 47. Make sure to comment down below. We'll get involved in the comments next week for next week's episode. Hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, and check us all out on Twitter. The accounts will be in the description this week. I forgot last week. And of course, as always, thank you for watching, and we will see you next week.